And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Praise God for the reading of his word. You may now be seated. We continue our series on the Gospel of John. The Word became flesh. John chapter 1, verses 14 to 18. John, the writer, established that, that the Word was God and nothing could exist without the Word. If you remember in verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Logos, the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we know in John's writing style, he has tried to employ some dualities or parallels in his writing, which means sometimes two things. Sometimes, not all the time. Now, how do we know that they are two things? Because John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18 is the prologue. It's the introduction. We'll find the dual themes being developed until chapter 21. We cannot just put our own meaning in what we see and in every verse. It has to be confirmed within the context. So we see that the Word was with God and the Word was God. A mystery, yes, yet dual truths. He was with God, and the Word was God. Then he said, he said that nothing was created without Him. He was in the beginning with God. God did not create Him. He was there when the world was created, and nothing existed without Him. And he has established that. And he has given us light. Dual meaning being literally light as we experience on earth. Physical light that comes from the sun and the moon. Yet also a spiritual light. And he explained that. Then he said that the word came to his own and his own people rejected him. And we know when he says, when John would say his own people, doesn't mean all the Jewish people rejected him because John himself was a Jew. It's not in absolutes. It's not as a legal writing. It's just similar to what we say sometimes when you go to an event and you say, nobody's here, but actually there were, there's a few people there. You say no one's here because you're just explaining that not enough people are here. But you're not saying literally all. So not literally everybody 
of his own people rejected him. But then it says, to those who receive him, to those who believe in his name, and that's John 1, verses 12. And take note, I believe in explaining it that way. What does the word receive mean? You want to receive him? What the context says is, to those who believe in his name, who are not born of man nor the will of man, not because of man, but born of God, meaning this is a spiritual beginning, a spiritual birth that, was, that comes from the throne of God, and it is no man can do this. So Christianity is not something that we come to, and hopefully our goal is transformation. A goal is what? Is understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the suffering death and his resurrection, and the call to repentance for the forgiveness of sins. To come to Him and to believe in Him, in who He is, and the significance of what He did on the cross. We know that, but maybe not in a manner that Scripture would explain. And when I say Scripture, we're talking about all Scripture as inspired by God, not parts of Scripture. And He's saying this word came, rejected, but few believed. And then he says here in verse 14, and the word became flesh. He proceeds to explain that the word became flesh and dwelt with his disciples, well, dwelt with his people, but his disciples saw it. They lived with him. John claimed to have seen his glory, perhaps making an allusion to the glory of God coming down in the tabernacle or the temple but most especially in the tent of meeting found in Exodus 33 and 34. After they came out of Egypt, Moses would pitch a tent and the visible presence of God will come down on the tent in the form of a cloud and Moses would come in and speak to God. And the time he went up to Sinai and he went down, his face was glowing. Although Moses spoke, spoke to God face to face, yet in the same context, it also said that God did not reveal himself completely because no one could see him and live. So Moses saw a glimpse of God. He fellowshiped with God, yet the glory was not seen in full, but the glory was seen partially. So Moses experienced God, the glory of God, and even the people of Israel would see his face shine that he would even cover his face because he was shining. John would say, making an illusion that the word became flesh as God's glory would come down. Because we know that John wrote the gospel not only for the Gentiles but also for the Jew. For them to understand the gospel about Christ. So he's saying he came down. The word became flesh. The word is the word and the word is God. And that, and that truth was developed by John throughout the 21 chapters. Yet he also developed that he came down here. We saw him. 
We touched him. He touched us when he healed. We saw him sleep. We saw him preach. So there's this, this singularity and duality at the same time when Philip asked, show us the Father. And Jesus said, have I been with you this long and you still haven't known? He who has seen me has seen the Father. Now, we know that John wrote his account of Jesus Christ so those who read might believe in who he is and what he has done on the cross. And he will write this towards the end of his letter or his, his, his story of who Jesus is. That you might believe in the Son of God and that you might have eternal life. He had to explain who Jesus is because if you believe in the wrong Jesus, the, wrong, the Jesus that's not revealed by Scripture, then that, that does affect the eternal life. So you might believe in who Christ is. So because many paint, no, my Christ is this. I heard from somebody, there's now a Christ for mermaids. Well, Filipinos are like Mexicans. They name some of their children Jesus. So sometimes it's awkward to call it in English, right? Hi, Jesus. <laughs> but you're not the Jesus I believe in, okay? You're not the Jesus I believe in. The Jesus I believe in is in Scripture. A Jesus that is just man and not God. But clearly John would say that he is 100% God and he is 100% man. The first of that kind ever. Probably that's why he's called the first of many brethren. In the sense that, not because we will turn into gods, but in the sense that we are humans, yet the divine spirit of God dwells within us. So in a manner of speaking. First point, grace and truth. The word took human form and dwelt, or tabernacled now if you're unfamiliar with that uh, you have to go back to exodus uh, you can read the book of exodus we also have previous sermons on exodus if you visit the website he tabernacled among his people he dwelt with us now similar to israel seeing the glory of god in the tabernacle the author claimed the author john claimed to have seen his glory Although the transfiguration is not recorded in the Gospel of John, it is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Where they see the saw the glory of God. Now, it says the sun was full of grace and truth, but the sun is the glory of God, or has the glory of God, and he is full of grace and truth. Let's read verse 14 again. And the word, verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now you jump to verse 14, and the word became flesh. This is the word that created the universe. This is the word which is the light of the world. 
The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and John claimed, and we have seen His glory. The glory as of the only Son from the Father. The first time John was introducing Him as the Son. He was not called, he was not known as the Son before. In fact, the name Jesus was not attributed to Him before, but the Word was there from the beginning. He was not the first created. He was there when they started creation. He was there from the beginning. Full of grace and truth. And the word grace, charis, here speaks, sorry, charis. That's how they pronounce it, they say. Full of grace and truth, meaning goodness. One who is gracious yet we also here find a consistency of our doctrine of grace that we are saved not because of ourselves confirmed by the Paul the Apostle same teaching as John about the grace of God full of grace and truth and verse 15 there's an insert here although in Verse 19, the writer will develop another guy named John. John seems to be a popular name. Is anybody here called John? So sometimes when you teach this, you have to say, this is John the writer, and this one's John the Baptist. Okay. Now, you are John. You have to insert your last name so we're not confused, okay? But some of you can claim I am John a Baptist, all right? <laughs> Not the a Baptist. <laughs> John bore witness about him and cried out, This was of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. And uh, in the next sermon, we will explain how John caught the attention of so many people in Judea, including the religious leaders, that they, were, they sent emissaries to discover who is he? Is he the Christ? Is he Elijah? Is he one of the prophets? John has achieved a certain level of attention. Maybe some would say greatness, but I would say to a level of attention. But then John would say he was born bef before Christ. He's the elder. John bore witness about it and cried out, This was of whom I said, He who comes up after me ranks before me because he was before me. But he was before me. What John was really saying was not just before me in birth. No, he was there eternally existing. Because people say, No, you're older. I said, No, no, he's before me. Again, he's referring to the eternal Godhead, not the physical Jesus. Now, humanly speaking, John the Baptist was born first. However, the Baptist claimed that the Word existed before him. The author remains consistent with a dual theme that the Word is the origin of creation, yet he took the form of man. That is an important truth. Next, grace upon grace. 
the writer mentioned that they received grace upon grace from his fullness. John contrasted grace and truth through Christ to the law given through Moses. But it may not be viewed necessarily as a contrast because that's one perspective. The other perspective is it's not a contrast. It is more of a progression. A progression. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And such abundant grace comes from His fullness. Verse 16, For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Again, those words repeated. Grace and then grace upon grace. And it will be repeated one more time in, in, in the few verses that we, we read. For the law was given through Moses... Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, if you have an English version that says, but, that's now the, the scholars trying to interpret it for you. But in the original Greek, it has no word but. So the ESV is kind of consistent on that. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So one view is it's a contrast Contrast meaning Christ is so greater than Moses, which is consistent with the book of Hebrews. Or it's a progression. Both are correct. In the sense, it's a, it's a progression that this was Moses, the covenant of God given through Moses, and then the ultimate covenant given through Christ. And the Old Testament prophets and the Old Testament ceremonies pointed to the coming of Christ and the New Testament writers kept looking back at Christ. Now, some ridiculous thing I heard. I said, I think there is a third testament. I said, okay. Where'd you get that from some of these cults? A third. It's very central. They were pointing to Christ and the culmination of Christ. They're looking back to Christ. What's the third about? Don't believe everything, everything you hear. Just because people quote verses. Study it in context. Just context. Let's read verse 16, 17 again. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now John repeats the word grace four times in verses 14 to 17. The word grace refers to the graciousness of Christ. Which will reflect the great doctrine of grace. Which what? Saves people like us sinners. Now that's very consistent with born of God, not of man. That a person is made a child of God not because of our efforts, but because of His grace. Because of His goodness, not because of our goodness. Some think Christianity or believing in Christ is about, I'm more moral than you, I'm holier than you. It's not that. It is us believing that we are wretched sinners, unworthy and that's why we believe in the grace. And we need the grace of God because we are not worthy. It's a whole new perspective. It is not a point system. If you achieve so many points, then you enter heaven. 
I see, no, does not, do not see that in scripture. But should we obey? Should we grow in morality? That is expected of all who believe in the grace of God. That is expected. But that does not give us eternal life. It simply is a fruit of the root that happens in the new birth. It is about grace. Now, the Word of God gave grace because He could. What does that mean? Only He could give us eternal life. You may talk about all the religions you know, and part of my life was that. The isms... Hinduism, Buddhism, I didn't say I got into it, I just studied it. It was, my curiosity began because it was a required class. Not even in seminary, in high school. On everything you read all over and, and the people saying, there are many ways to one God. Yeah, if you agree with that, Christ will disagree. Which means if you agree with that, you don't belong to Christ. Yeah, you all reach the same place. And that's not his father's house. What did Jesus say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one. No one goes to the father except through me. Jesus said, through me. Not through me and my mother. Are you, did you hear me? Forgive me for hurting you. He didn't say, through me and my father. They said there's a new trinity. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. That's the new trinity. That's a cult of the biggest kind. And you actually use that expression, sus mar Yosef. It's sus mar sep. That's where it came from. Oh, what a, you have a Trinity expression, but not the Holy Trinity. Now, he could give grace, be, he gave grace because he could. Nobody else could. Nobody. Now, the word made him known. Let's read verse 18. No one has ever seen God, and that included Moses. Although Moses saw a glimpse of the glory of God, and perhaps a glimpse of the face of God, but not really. That's what Exodus 33 and 34 is saying. He did talk with God, but God said, you cannot see me. So what does that mean? He saw him in a manner, but not the fullness. But Christ is different. No one has ever seen God. The only God. Now, who's the only God here? Who is at the Father's side? Again, verse 18, the end of the prologue and verse 1 is saying the same truth. That what? What is that truth? 
In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Here he's saying, no one has ever seen God. And then he says, the only God. Huh? Who's the only God? Who is at the Father's side. So speaking about God and with God, he has made him known. And the discussion would be who the Father is through Jesus Christ. And you will study uh, part of the study is the I am. It's a wonderful study. I am. I think one was flashed a while ago. I am the bread of life. Uh, take note. John, what was John referring to when Moses asked God, what will I tell them who spoke to me, who sent me? And God said, tell them I am sent you. That I am belongs to God and this I am belongs to Jesus. I'm the bread of life. I'm the resurrection of the dead. So many I am's. That does not belong to you. You hear me? Careful with what you sing. I am who he says I am. Careful now. Careful with a John, Joel Osteen. I am victorious. Say it the I am. Claim the I am. Oh, brother. Well, if you don't know that, good for you. It, it, it's subtly connected to the we are little gods doctrine. Careful. If you believe you're a little god, Either you repent of that perspective or get out of this church. Is that a deal? Okay. Any little gods here? When Psalm says you are gods, means you are judges. Again, you have to look at the usage of the Hebrew, not look on the surface meanings or don't assume the meaning quickly. John ends the prologue with a powerful statement, and this is powerful. No one has seen God except the God who was with him. And John re-emphasized the opening statement that the Word was with God and was God. And the Word made the Father known. Although we may cite scriptures whom God spoke to in the Old Testament, none of them had seen God the way the Word has, because the Word was beside him. Therefore, no one is more qualified to reveal the Father than God's Word, who is Himself, known also as the Son of God. I was asked by a brother, and it was a good question, because somebody made an argument that, you see, Jesus is just a son. You know, He's trying to implore our way, earthly thinking. He's just a son, so the Father is greater. Now, how do you answer that? You have to refer in Philippians chapter 2. He took the form. He, went, he humbled himself. He was equal with God. That's in Philippians chapter 2. But he humbled himself. And while he was on earth, because he humbled himself, he had to show us how to humble ourselves. So he said, God, the Father is greater. But it also says he is God. Hebrews 1, God calls him God. Again, the duality. But part of Christ being here is to show us how to worship God. 
And that's part of the theme of John, how to worship him, both as father with intimacy and knowing that he is the creator. Now, we should worship him in spirit and in truth. Application, submit to the word. The word became flesh. Thus, we believe in the incarnate word. Or incarnate, the word became flesh. That's just this. Not the reincarnate, okay? Because some guy believes he's the son of God on earth. Uh, we are sons and daughters of God now. Anybody saying, I'm the successor of Jesus Christ on earth? Oh, brother. Wait till judgment day. Jesus Christ was 100% God who became man in a simultaneous manner, 100% man. It was like God dwelling in the tabernacle of Moses, but it's more than that. Christ was more than that. John the Baptist submitted to who Christ is. Although the Baptist was born earlier than the incarnate Christ, the Baptist acknowledged that the Son was before him. Moreover, the Word is greater than all. Thus, what should we do? Like the Baptist, we should humble ourselves. He was before us. No man is above Christ. He was before all. Believe in His grace. Point number two, John mentioned the fullness of the Son of God. He is God who took the form of man to give His life. And this is well explained in Hebrews he had to become man because somebody must be sacrificed because in the Old Testament ceremonial law of God, which would be the model to follow, the law to be followed, the innocent animal must die for the sinner. Sub substitutionary atonement. And there must be somebody, a man, who was sinless to be sacrificed for all mankind as a substitution. Substitute to all who would believe. That's why we are thankful. And when I, we say believe, not believe in the shallow kind. If you believe him, you'll follow him. If you believe him, you'll, you'll absorb his words and follow him. We humble ourselves knowing who he is. Number two, we believe in His grace. John mentioned the fullness of the Son of God. He is God who took on the form of a man to give His life. His death and resurrection are His gifts to all who would believe. Thus, we should believe in who He is and what He accomplished on the cross. Without His grace, there is no hope for the forgiveness of our sins because there is no other way. And... You've memorized John 14, 6. He is the only way, truth, and life. No one can go to the Father except through Him. And I'd like to explain to you that is why there was persecution in the early church. Why? In the Roman society there, they accepted tolerance with one another. There are, you worship another God. They had many gods there. No, it's just the mic. It's an old one. It needs to be replaced. Um, it, it was a, a society with different religions. 
And that's how Rome managed everybody. To keep it under the emperor. You can be free. As long as Caesar is Lord. Is the emperor. So they were free to do whatever religion they had. And yeah, sure, I'll respect you for who you are and who you are. Then suddenly here comes these Bible-believing, or I mean Christ-believers, saying, oh, no, 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 there's only one way. <laughs> there's only one God. Same as the Jew, but he said one way. Not many ways. And, 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 and Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. That's why they said before, whoever confesses Jesus is Lord in that context. Oh boy, you're in trouble. You're ready to die. Now here you say Jesus is Lord, sure. No consequence. Then you, have you should have denied yourself when you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, not Caesar. Ooh. That's why there was persecution. That's why we are persecuted today, because when somebody says there are many ways, I say no. And I look like the bad guy who doesn't like peace. No, 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 one way. And anyone who argues with me, what, 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 sure. Buddha is great, but he's dead. He's still dead. Only one claimed to have risen from the dead with many eyewitnesses. And if you haven't watched that film by Lee Strobel of story of an atheist who did not believe in the resurrection, he tried to disprove the resurrection. He tried to approach it in the academic way of rigorous research and trying to consult uh, other experts. He ended up believing. He used textual criticism. Like, how do we know Aristotle really existed? How do we know that his writings are really his because of the number of printed materials or discovered materials that were copied? The materials of Scripture is much, much more than the writings of Aristotle and Plato and other things. And there were recordings not only of Christian writers, but also from outside their circle, historians wrote, claiming of many who have seen him risen from the dead. And a psychologist was asked, uh, what are the chances of mass delusion, like all of us having, you know, seeing something strange at the same time? You know, we all went, you know, cuckoo a little bit, and we saw something weird and said it's almost impossible no it's impossible he is the only way third point no god make him known the word the, the word knew god and made him known by his grace we know christ thus we should make him known to make him known is also to reveal the father if we teach people about jesus christ we also reveal the Father. We should never ignore God's divine direction to proclaim the gospel. And we must continuously pursue to know Him through what we study His Word 
and through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And we must continue to pursue to make him known by proclaiming the gospel of Christ. Now some would say, because some translation in verse 18 says, begotten God. In the many creeds and beliefs of many Christian fathers, the term they used is he is eternally begotten but never created. And again, the duality of the idea, yet true. It's true, Christ was man, and it is true that he was 100% God, all in one. I give you a piece of poetry called Begotten God. The Word of God took human form. That's definitely not the norm. He is fully God and fully man. Hard to grasp, but such was the plan. John and the others did perceive. They believed in grace to receive, which was to believe in his name, the Father's children they became. He's the only begotten God, eternally begotten God. We believe his revelation with God before the creation. Thus, let us believe in his grace. That's enough reason to give praise. It's grace upon grace upon grace. No other way. That is our case. Let us all rise. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your word. We thank you for the knowledge of who Christ is, as revealed in Scripture. And teach us to look at Scripture and see the beauty. It is given to us letters from apostles you use to show us what they saw, to reveal to us what you revealed to them. It is a privilege, Lord. It is a responsibility as well to pursue in the knowledge of God. May, Lord, we pray that we would not be those who would reject the Son of God, but those who would receive Him by believing in His name. And we pray by Your grace as we believe. Lord, we know that grace is upon grace upon grace. There's so much grace to receive those who would believe. Yet the mystery is, it is also you who willed it. Born of God, not of us. For none of us can make ourselves have the new birth. But the power of the Spirit can. And may we enjoy that as those who believe. And may we rest every night and wake up every day full of faith, knowing that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the apostles saw His glory and we believe their witness. Yet even within our hearts, You show us Your glory as You give us a new heart and a new mind. 
In worship, in a manner of speaking, you show us your glory. In prayer, in the study of your word, in the meditation, in a manner of speaking, you show us your glory. We see grace and truth. Thank you. May we continue to grow in the grace and the truth of Jesus Christ. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. God's people say, Amen. Amen.